as we run through some of the best bits of video game news, we also take a first look at the Battle Royale sensation Apex Legends in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hi, I'm John Dotson, and today I'm joined by Tim and Travis. And in this episode, we're going to talk about some upcoming stuff happening in gaming. From time to time, interesting video game news bits will happen that we feel like we have to talk about. That time is now, and we felt enough time has passed for the news to have aged like a fine wine. Some podcasts focus on getting you discourse on video game news right away, but not Cheerful Ghost Radio. We take our time and swirl around the news and our goblet and let it breathe. And then we partake in the discussion. So today, we're finally getting around to talking about the new Battle Royale hotness Apex Legends and a really exciting recent Nintendo Direct. But before we get to any of that, Let's talk first about what we've been playing and watching and starting out with everyone's favorite chum bucket deluxe, Travis Newman. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've been kind of engrossed with Fallout 76 still. Um, they've they've made a lot of improvements and they've got a nice, uh, nice roadmap for what's coming out soon. And Katie has started playing it with me as well. So. You know, mostly what I had been doing before was playing solo with, you know, Greg popped in some and I played with him a few times, but he kind of quit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really nice to have just another person that going through the whole the whole shebang with and, um, you know, starting over from the beginning has been really great. I, I love the all the work they put into making this world and it's it's nice to kind of rediscover it all again and kind of rediscovering it through fresh eyes again because Katie hadn't played it before. So I'm kind of reliving that early game magic there. Um, I've also still been playing um, Egg Incorporated. That game has its hooks in me so hard. It's so addictive to watch those numbers go up. Um, I don't really recommend anybody play it because you'll lose your life to it. It's so fun. (laughs) Uh, As for what we've been watching, the new season of Star Trek Discovery is out and it is so good. It is really good. I thought the first season was great. Uh, we're a little over halfway into the second season now, and uh, Captain Christopher Pike has kind of joined the Discovery crew while the Enterprise is in, is getting some repairs done. And the guy that got to play Pike is fantastic, and he's bringing so much to the show. I kind of assume that he'll only be around for one season because Pike can't stay on Discovery. He's got to go be the captain of the Enterprise before Kirk. But I don't want to see him go. He's been great. And we're, uh, I'm behind an episode, but, uh, Spock showed up last episode. Um, the main character Burnham, her brother is Spock. She was raised by Spock's parents. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Um, we started a rewatch of game of Thrones in preparation for the last season. And man, that show just it doesn't get old. Like I, we've probably watched it all the way through up to what we have like four or five times at this point. And I love it. I'm I'm going to be sad to see it go. The last season's coming out, I think in April, May. I can't remember exactly when, but yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to wrap it all up in like six episodes. It's a short season, but we'll see how they do. One thing about these modern franchises is they, they're never really gone if they're really popular. I've yeah. heard they're doing, what, like a new prequel show or something? So it doesn't seem like it's going away. No, if you love no. Thrones, you're going to get more, right? Yeah, it's going to be... I think they did like three or four different pilots so they could pick from one to choose to make a series out. And I can't remember which one they picked. But yeah, yeah, there's going to be some spinoff content for it, for sure. Um, I'm not sure whether any of our, the characters we have seen so far will be in it or if it'll be too early or too far after to see them. But yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with that. They're going to be going totally off uh, source material with that since Martin didn't write any other. Well, he wrote like a kind of a history of Westeros kind of textbook thing for it, but so they can pull some stuff from that. 
And also, uh, we started a rewatch of the MCU to get caught up in, in time for Avengers Endgame. Uh, we haven't gotten very far. We've only watched Iron Man so far. But yeah, I, I love Iron Man. I, I mean, there's I think there's plenty of better movies in the MCU, but there's also plenty of worse. It's I think it's a really solid first entry and probably one of my favorite origin stories in cinema. It's just so well done. And it, it kind of also reminded me of, in a way, why I dislike Tony Stark as a character now. It just seems like he started off so well in Iron Man and just like he hasn't grown that much. Like he's still just kind of a jerk. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that how my opinion might change going through all of them and, you know, not one sitting, but kind of quickly going through them all in a couple of months. Um, I'm hoping that I'll be less annoyed with Tony. But now at this point, like watching Spider-Man Homecoming, like when he shows up, it just kind of annoys me and pulls me out of the movie. I wish he wasn't there, but hoping to have my mind changed on that. And also today we we watched Alita Battle Angel and wow, that was that was something I don't. It's another one of those movies that I don't quite get why the reviews aren't better for it. I mean, it had issues, plenty of them, um, kind of pacing issues and also some really cringy dialogue. But overall, man, that was a fun movie. I can't wait to buy that and just really pour into the special features, assuming they don't pull like what was it was it infinity infinity war that had the terrible special features i hope it's better than those yep yep. yeah yeah well they just weren't a whole lot there yeah yeah but yeah if you haven't seen alita battle angel i recommend it if you like sci-fi at all it's 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 got some sci-fi tropes that you'll be used to and that they're kind of overdone but they're used well here uh yeah very good movie all right, Tim, uh, let's kick things to our favorite person who loves changing our G-rated text into something else. <laughs> uh, well, it's kind of funny you mentioned that you're going through an MCU rewatch here, Travis, because uh, I've actually been doing the same thing myself. Uh, although it's less to get prepared for Endgame and more because uh, my kids are old enough to start watching all the movies and they expressed an interest in kind of like starting from the beginning to to watch all of them. And so we've, you know, over the last couple months been progressing through it steadily. We recently watched Iron Man 3, so we're a little ways into it. We just finished up, you know, the first Avengers, and now we're in solidly into Phase 2 here. Um, I've also been watching... Can uh, I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. Great. Okay, so Iron Man 3, okay, gets terrible reviews in retrospect by people who i respect i want to respect you more now tim so can you talk to me a little bit about iron man 3 what you <laughs> think about after watching because again it's either most people don't remember it or they think of it poorly i'm just curious you've seen it recently what'd you think uh you know i i think it's a little unfair how people how to treat it and i think mainly people just um they were thrown off by the mandarin and that whole twist because it's you know that's a far departure from what it was like in the comics so I'm wondering if that just threw a few people off, but it's like, I don't really know of any other way that you could handle that character where it wouldn't just be a racist stereotype. <laughs> so like this, this seemed like by far the safest way to treat the character while kind of like winking at the comics history and doing something new for the, you know, for the, for the movies here. Um, it was not bad. It's certainly better than Iron Man two. I, I wouldn't say it's better than the first Iron Man. But it's it's pretty decent. Like, I, it's still a good movie, and we had a lot of fun watching it. So, yeah, I, I don't think it deserves all the hate. So as far as what else I've been watching, um, my wife and I just recently finished up Umbrella Academy. Uh, that was a pretty good show. It's not stellar, but there's some really fun characters. Um, it's entertaining. We're looking forward to a season two. Uh, it definitely ends on a cliffhanger, so if that's not your cup of tea, maybe just uh, maybe just don't watch that last episode until season two <laughs> is already ready to go. Um, yeah, we uh, we've also been uh, watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. We were very excited to see that it got a season seven. Uh, more people need to watch this show. Yes, because it's great, and it already dodged the bullet on getting canceled once. 
it seriously though it is it is so funny the characters are great and it is one of the most consistently good shows i've watched in a very long time like there's not a bad episode no just there's there's seriously, not a bad people, episode at all yeah the people go watch this it's on hulu or it's on like basic cable i think or whatever i don't even think you need cable because i think it's on nbc now um just just watch it it's great uh, we also recently started Daredevil season three, uh, the final season, apparently. Yep. Uh, we're we just started. We're only like episode two. So um, I don't have a lot of thoughts on it other than um, dark and brooding characters going to dark and brood harder in season three, apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely the darkest season of Daredevil. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm still interested in it. I think the the dark and broodiness is starting to get to my wife though, and I think she's starting to to lose interest in it. But, well, you um, can reassure her that that gets better. All right, good. I'll I'll let her know that. And then as for what I've playing been playing, um, not a lot. We've been uh, we've been very busy. We had a couple like family trips that we made. In fact, we're leaving for another one tomorrow. Um, so when I have had chance to play. It's mostly just been No Man's Sky and my weekly D&D session. So in terms of what I've been watching, start there. Uh, I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp on Netflix and I decided to give that a watch. I want to append my review that we did a while ago for the for the movie because I w- originally I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. What it was a month after Infinity War or something like that. Something like and that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that Ant-Man and the Wasp almost shouldn't follow Infinity War in the theaters like it did, right? I understand why they did it, you know, scheduling and all that kind of thing. But I think that it, for me, with that distance between Infinity War, it's a better film because I'm not comparing them. And when I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp again, I didn't compare them anymore. And it's so good. I, I would actually give the movie a much higher rating than I did. Um, because I'm just not thinking about something else. It's a great, I really like that it's smaller in scope than other Marvel movies. I like that it kind of has a different voice. Yeah, we really need more of the the small scale Marvel movies so that it's not always a galaxy ending event that they're, they're working on, you know? I agree, and I think that it does that, and I'm really glad it was on Netflix and I watched it. Another movie that I watched... Um, that we saw sort of at Redbox and I wanted for my son to try was Smallfoot. If you're looking for a cool movie for kids about, you know, that sort of has something interesting to say about religion and questioning certain things and a fun kids adventure story about yetis, you really should watch it. It's really fun. It's a fun animated movie. And I and my son loves it. And I'm really glad that he likes it a lot. It's fun. So I recently finished MST3K season 11, The Gauntlet. I sort of have been uh, starting that after um, after Thanksgiving. And wow, what a fun season. Six episodes. So tight. So funny. Um, One highlight episode that I watched was The Killer Fish or Killer Fish, which is essentially a movie about spies and like human eating piranhas and I don't want to say a whole lot about it but it's great it's so much fun and it's such campy 70s trash and mystery science theater does does it so well and gives it like you know elevates the material and it's it's a really fun it's a really fun season I like where it ends a lot and uh, yeah there's a really cool cameo by the one of the early doctor uh, evil mad scientists that I did not expect to see. And that was really fun. So if you're a fan of the show, it's cool to see these characters come back. So MST3K season 11, the gauntlet. I can't wait till it's on Blu-ray so I can buy and add it to my collection. I love MST and I'm, it was so great to 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 watch that. So let's go through a few other Netflix joints, shall we? So um, Mads Milkson, I think that's how you pronounced his last name. If not, apologies, Mads, uh, was recently in a movie called Polar, which is a movie where he's a hitman. Yeah, skip it. Straight up. Skip it. It's not that Mads isn't the best part of the movie. He absolutely is. It's just that. And I, and typically this is the kind of movie that I would like. It's this payback style revenge-ish movie. But the biggest problem that I have with Polar is that it's so like gory and disgusting and edgy, but what's the point of it? 
you know, it's just it just revels in its own filth, I, I suppose. And I don't mean in that in a negative way. Well, I guess I do actually it revels in its own gore and shock for what? Because I guess I'm like long since past just existing in this gore arena for no payoff. Right. So I don't know. It, it's cool that Netflix is getting these hyper violent action films. But for me, the, the movie's got to have a point or a soul or something. And I just don't think that it hit it for me. So, yeah, I mean, it clearly talented people on display, but I, I just kind of don't. I, I really there's one point in the movie where I want to turn it off. And I just kept going because I'm like, there's a reason why this movie was made. I, I Maybe I'm going to figure it out. And then I kind of re- really regretted continuing on with it. There's just it was just gross, you know. So anyways, uh, another movie I saw recently was Velvet Buzzsaw on Netflix. Really excited for this one. This is the one with um, uh, the same director in night that who did Nightcrawler did Velvet Buzzsaw. And um uh, oh, the guy that was in Donnie Darko. What was his name? Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. And wowie wow, is it a fun horror movie? It's not that scary, but horror doesn't have to be super scary to be fun. And I like the premise. It's a horror in the art community. And I thought it was really, really great. And then, I mean, it's sometimes like I don't understand, like if that if I'm on planet Mars and then I read like reviews and listen to movie podcasts where people are just savaging the movie. And I, I was like, did we watch two separate things? But I don't know, maybe I'm just easy or something. I know you mentioned Travis when you were, you know, watching, um, Alita battle angel. And then mm-hmm. you're like, did we watch the same movie? I think yeah. that the same way. I, I just clearly, I, I don't know. I, I loved it. I loved it. Maybe the ending wasn't the greatest, but it was cool. It was something different. I, I, I liked its style very much. So Velvet Buzzsaw is really great. I thought it was great. So I watched a documentary called Get Me Roger Stone. This is a political documentary about Roger Stone, who has a long history of being a political operative in the Republican Party. So unlike a lot of documentaries, this one features Roger Stone heavily and he's in the movie and he's interviewed in the movie and um, he had a part in in showing it off. In fact, a couple of times in the movie, he calls the documentary crew a bunch of pinko commie liberals. <laughs> but then he also says, but they're good guys. So uh, he says that a couple of times, which I think is, oh, OK, well, you know, clearly they have, you know, he, he 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 kind of like nods that they're not maybe politically in the same boat as him, but that they're good people, you know. So I think that's kind of neat. I'm not sure if the end result he was like Roger Stone's happy about, but. If you're interested, okay, so I'm not going to talk about this because we don't like getting so political on Cheerful Ghost Radio, but politically right now, there's a lot of talk about Donald Trump as our president. There's a lot of talk about Paul Manafort. There's a lot of talk about Roger Stone. There's a lot of talk about um, sort of that election and how it happened and, and that sort of thing. And if you're interested in hearing about how that happened from the people themselves, like Donald Trump, who's in it in, in interviewed and Roger Stone and Paul Manafort, who are in the movie and interviewed in the movie. It's a amazing primer to get you some context on why we are where we are politically. I think it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen because it has them talking about what they did themselves and I think that it's it's the kind of documentary that allows you to make up your own decision on are these people are they doing things that I appreciate or not? I don't have to tell you if it's good or bad. You can make the own determination yourself and listen to these people talk to you about what they've done in their lives and what they do. And I have no doubt that a lot, how a lot of people are going to react to that. And I'm not telling you how to think about it. I'm just saying that you should listen to them. And I think that that's kind of the best way to understand things, which is, you know, a really even read from the people themselves. So uh, I'm going to I don't know. I'm really curious, Travis and Tim, what you would say say about that film. But I think it was really, really good. Well done. So um, uh a couple other things I've been watching is Russian Doll. So this is a new Netflix show. I, I like the format a lot. It's 30 minute episodes. I think they're 10 episodes and it's kind of a Groundhog Day like premise. I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but it takes it in a direction that I've never seen in these kind of Groundhog Day 
ideas and the main character. She's also one of the characters in uh, Orange is the New Black. And she's just her. And she's so great. She makes a joke in the movie that she's a lot like if Andrew Dice Clay and the girl from Brave <laughs> were in a movie together. You know what I mean? So and I agree that that's very much like her her character. So uh, Russian Doll's great. It, it's a it's a really cool show, a cool sci fi premise. It's got a great ending. I, I'm wait. I can't wait for the next season. So Russian Doll. Very, very good. And finally, like Tim, I watched the Umbrella Academy. I'm on the second to last episode and uh I, I've, re- I've read this tweet by adam you probably read the same one tim where he recommends only watching the second to last episode because the last one does end on a cliffhanger my wife is going to heed that warning she's not going to watch the last episode but i don't care about cliffhanger so i'm going to watch it um i think i'm a little bit more hot to the show than you were tim because i i think the show is fantastic I think that there are two elements to the show that I think bring it down a little bit for me. One is the character who plays number one. Some his range isn't like he's a great actor, um, uh, but some of his range in some moments, like when he's crying and things, it just didn't really ring as believable to me. And I think the other one is that characters are making choices that I think seem a little unlikely to me. Like, I know the show's trying to milk out the drama, but sometimes I'm like, come on, you know, I'm just. I kind of get to the point with these drama shows where I'm tired of people fighting with each other and kind of want them to just work together. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think <laughs> yeah. that's the but I think that's maybe the magic of these shows, which is how they interact with each other and that drama. I think sometimes I'm just like fucking in the drama already. Let's let's just see some, you know, let's see some work together, you know, teamwork or something. Um. So anyways, but but I love the show and it's a great addition to Netflix and it's cool to see a really cool sci fi show. And I'd even give away one premise of the show, but I think that's a spoiler, honestly. So I'm not going to talk about that. But Umbrella Academy and, and finally, in terms of what I'm implying, I got the Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection on the switch because I was going to go hang out with some friends, my wife and son. were going to go hang out with some friends and I brought that so we could play that on the switch. And it's essentially like eight um, the eight eight classic Street Fighter games. I didn't know that, they're, but they're the arcade versions, actually. Um, and those are really fun. And wow, it's just it's great to be able to go through the entire catalog of classic Street Fighter games all the way through, I believe, like the Dreamcast or something like that. And they're great games. They're just fantastic. I mean, how much better could you get than almost every epically old, like epic, awesome arcade Street Fighter game? It's an amazing value. So if you like Street Fighter, yeah get it uh recently i've been playing quite a bit of Fortnite too so again when i brought my switch over there we sort of uh, it was really fun one of the evenings we sort of uh, had a, quite a few beers and we passed the controller around to play Fortnite. that was a lot of fun we didn't win a lot but it was great it's great uh it, it was a lot of fun also i downloaded destiny 2 holy smokes that game's like 90 gigs uh, to download Yowzers. Um, and I just played a little bit of it. I'm going to talk more about that later when I have a little bit more game time in there. But uh, I got Destiny 2 for free on Battle.net and uh, finally installed that. So uh, that's what I've been playing and what I've been watching. Hey, everyone. This is Tim from Cheerful Ghost Radio. My co-host and I want to thank you for listening to our show. We have a lot of fun making this podcast and I hope you enjoy it, too. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon. Patreon is a site where people can fund the things they love. If you choose to support us at the membership level, you'll also get some awesome benefits on the Cheerful Ghost website. So head over to cheerfulghost.com, click the heart icon at the top of the page, and support us on Patreon. Thanks! So, Apex Legends recently dropped... And it was like a day mic drop kind of thing. And it's by the company that made Titanfall, so Respawn Games. And they just basically said, hey, uh, Apex Legends is going to be out. And it was out and you could play it. Uh, Sort of had a bunch of sort of social media influencers sort of tweet about it. And it, it sort of shot up on the Twitch charts. It became the number one played game on Twitch for a while. A lot of people were playing it, kind of bounced back a little bit, but... It, it sort of jumped up to like 11 or 15 million players right away in their first day, which is an incredible number. I think if, you know, it sort of sets a bar for if you want a lot of people to play your game on day one, releasing it for free really helps. So um, that's awesome. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about first thoughts that we had with it. Uh, Travis, you played the game first. What do you think? Apex Legends, man. It's the new 
Battle Royale Deluxe Extreme Amazing. What do you what do you think about Apex Legends, Travis? Yeah, I've I've played Fortnite, I've played PUBG, and then I played this. And ultimately I think what it comes down to is that I don't I don't particularly care for the Battle Royale genre, but if I were gonna pick one to play, it would be Apex Legends. I feel like the mechanics of everything, like everything just feels so perfectly designed and like all the controls are perfectly responsive like you you know exactly what you're doing and the ping system is incredible and i read some about this the the developers for their playtesting like for a solid six months i think it was just totally shut themselves off and did not use voice chat or anything they had to use the ping system alone to make sure that it was it was an easy way to communicate without any kind of other chat. And it works so well, just like tagging something on the map and like it's context sensitive. So if you tag an enemy, your player character will say something about an enemy and then you can kind of track that enemy for a little while. And uh, same thing with ammo drops, stuff like that. I, I want every game with multiplayer to have this kind of system. I think that sets a new bar for communication and multiplayer games it is it's that good um i put yeah i played a handful of games on it and i didn't do so well uh i think it was either two or three games that i played and i just decided well this is this is neat but still not my thing but yeah yeah everything about it is so well optimized um i think i was getting like a full 120 frames per second for the most part with settings maxed out and it looks really nice it's not like you're playing graphics from 2008 or anything these are really nice looking graphics and it runs really well and everything is i I think we've kind of reached the current peak for the battle royale genre i agree and i think that you know i heard this um in another video game podcast uh and and i really agree with it which is you know we've entered the era of battle royale games. And I think that at first, you know, like when you were watching E3 this year, it was kind of a joke, which is like everyone was releasing a battle royale game. And I think now it's really sunk in that. And and at the time it seemed like farcical that there were so many battle royale games coming out. And then you see a game like apex legends come out, which actually sort of like does something a little bit different And then I realized, wow, you know, this is a legitimate game mode that's going to be around for a while and there's more that can be done here. So I think Apex, I think of Apex Legends as a game that a battle royale game you should definitely be playing with friends, right? If you have, you know, a group of three people that love playing shooter games, Apex Legends is your jam. You definitely need to play with them because that's what you have. You have a battle squad of three people. You jump into a map. You collect guns and then you go wipe out all the other squads and whoever's left wins. And that's so fun. And uh, I had a couple game modes. And the last one that I played right before we got on Cheerful Ghost Radio was um, I was I dropped in and I collected some weapons and we did pretty well. You know, we were one of the last squads in the game. And, you know, my, my other teammates were way better than me, but they worked alongside, you know, with me and helped res me and I resed them. And then I was the healer. So I dropped this and to heal them and that kind of thing. And it was really, really cool. And like Travis says, the game is so well polished. And again, this is a game that dropped the same day and it was so well done. And clearly developer, certain kinds of developers are capable of launching a game on the first day and not having it be a buggy nightmare. And they did this multiple on multiple consoles and PC at the same time, and then grew up to 11 million players on launch. That is an, an incredible feat. It's just a technical marvel. I mean, clearly respawn is one of the best game developers around because they can launch a game, have it be the most popular game in the world and have that go without a hitch, frankly. Yeah, and this was uh, like uh, when you think about Fortnite's battle royale mode, that was added later. They had a lot of time before that, and Apex Legends didn't have a like early access or public beta or anything. It was all just them working on it, and they released this with, like you said, basically. I mean, I'm sure there are bugs. There's bugs and everything, but I didn't notice any, and I haven't heard people talking about it. It seems like they just really nailed it day one. It's incredible. Agreed, and. 
I'm really happy that it's here. One other thing that I think is really that, that my thoughts are changing on over time. It's a little bit different than maybe Battle Royale or even Apex Legends was Apex Legends was um, I, I Respawn Entertainment, I believe, is owned by EA or has some relationship with them. Anyways, well, it's released under the EA Origin PC client. And I found out about that. And I'm like, OK, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. That's fine. And I downloaded the game on EA and I played it there. And I think it was fine. I, I'm getting to a point now where I view PC games as sort of homogenous. It doesn't really matter to me what the client is anymore. I mean, Origin's a fine client. Uh, it's maybe not as par up there with Steam in some ways, but like, who cares? It's fine. It installs the game or whatnot. So for me, I think one thing that that I've seen a lot of pushback on with all these other clients is, well, clearly not with Apex Legends because they had like, you know, 15 million players or whatever right away, but is people that only want to play games on Steam. And I think, and I used to sort of think like, oh, you know, there's too many game clients and I don't really want to install anymore. I think I've kind of dropped that a little bit where it's, I just like playing games on PC. The client seems less relevant to me. So I, I found that was something interesting that I kind of wanted to note, which is I kind of don't care, you know, about the client overload, you know, Epic's doing its own client and Steam. And then you've got Apex and Twitch and you got Origin and Twitch and that kind of thing. So I don't know. It's just a thought that I have that's sort of changing over time. Travis, Tim, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that I don't care much about the launcher except for, you know, kind of the feature parody that you mentioned. Origins is pretty well up there. Some of them are not. Um, one thing about the difference between playing a game on Steam versus playing a game on Bethesda's launcher, for instance, is that you don't have any sort of friends list. Like if you've got multiple games that you're playing on the Bethesda launcher, you have to add your friends separately for each game. Um, and then like the Epic launcher, they haven't gotten like there was there was a bit of a stink with the new Metro game saying it was going to be releasing on Steam. And then they said, well, no, we're not going to do that. If you pre-ordered on Steam, then you're good. You can still play it on Steam. But otherwise, you have to play it on the Epic launcher because Epic offered them a better rate. So people noted that if you pre-ordered it on Steam, you could preload. You can't preload on Epic because you don't they don't have that ability yet. I, I think that these launchers coming out and kind of more or if the you know, Epic launcher has been out for a while, but they're kind of starting to build themselves up more. I think that they've had so much, so long to learn from steam and origins mistakes that there's some things they should have already like preloading for instance, and a global friends list. But I mean, yeah, by and large though, I agree with you. If the client and the company behind it is good, then I don't really care about having multiple launchers at this point. So finally, we're going to get to the big Nintendo Direct launch. And there's some really this was probably one of the biggest Nintendo Directs around. In fact, so much so that this is like E3 news worthy kind of thing. And Nintendo just dropped it, you know, in February, which I think is really, you know, lends to the story that you don't have to wait till E3 to drop really interesting news. And they could have actually dropped a lot of this stuff at E3. They just didn't. And Nintendo's kind of operating on their own clock and I respect them for it. And I think it's great. So um, firstly, we're going to talk about all the not <laughs> the not the the two really big things. And I'm curious if there was anything in the Nintendo Direct that wasn't sort of the big three that you guys thought was really interesting. Uh, Travis, there is a game that I can't remember now. I can't remember the name of name made by the same people like Platinum Games who did Bayonetta. And I'm really looking forward to that one, but I can't remember the name of it now. But yeah, that was other than the big three we're talking about here. That was the big standout for me. Tim. Yeah. So I was excited to see that there's a new Marvel Ultimate Alliance in the works. Um, I don't know if you guys had you ever played the X-Men Legends or Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. I, I played a demo. Yeah, same they, here. Yeah. So they were um, they were a series of action RPGs, you know, released over the last couple of years on like Xbox and PlayStation, stuff like that. And um, I had a lot of fun with those when they were, you know, brand new back on the original Xbox and, and uh, on the Wii. So I'm, I'm excited to see a new one come along. I'm ready for some good action RPG in the Marvel Universe. 
All right. So we're going to get into the big three, uh, starting off with Tetris 99. So Nintendo pulled a n- another uh, day drop of something. So they talked about a new game called Tetris 99 that came out to everyone that owned Nintendo Online, which is Nintendo's online service. And you could download it later that day after the Nintendo Direct. Just from a high level, this is yet another Battle Royale game where you, instead of shooting people in the face, you're essentially playing other, playing against people in Tetris. So 99 people playing, going head to head. And whoever wins, uh, of course, is the Tetris Royale winner. And I immediately thought that's really interesting. So... I've played the game. I will talk a little bit about that. Travis, Tim, do you guys like Tetris? Do you have any interest in this? And do you have Nintendo Online, I guess, is maybe the other question as well. Uh, Tim? I do not. Um, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but uh, I'm not what you'd consider an early adopter (laughs) on most most stuff. So I'm kind of waiting to see how the Nintendo Online plays out to see you know, what other people say and if it's something that's really worth it. I also just recently renewed my PlayStation online service for another year. And I kind of don't want to be paying for more than one online service at a time. So for the moment, I'm I'm sticking with the PlayStation network. Travis. Yeah, I also don't have it yet. Um, the price is pretty good, though. I think I probably will at some point, but, you know, I haven't found the title that makes me want to jump in yet. And I don't know. Tetris 99 might be that title. I'm not sure. Well, it is if you like playing Tetris and this is this is the game to play. It's also kind of interesting because it's giving um, like professional Tetris players an outlet on Twitch now. So, you know, Tetris 99 watching people play like it's infinitely watchable in that way. So I think that's really cool. So, like I said, uh, I sort of reviewed this on Cheerful Ghost. I talked about Tetris 99, and originally I didn't, wasn't going to get Nintendo Online, and then I decided to, and I downloaded Tetris 99, and it is incredible. It's definitely worth $20, and it's a fun game. Occasionally it can get dumped on, but that's kind of the Battle Royale mode. And it, like I said, it shows me that you can apply Battle Royale to a lot of different game styles, and not maybe just a shooter game. So, it's fantastic. I, I really hope that this is a continuous thing that Nintendo, you know, releases these Nintendo online only games, because I think it's just going to increase the value of Nintendo online. And if they continue with their retro game catalog and Nintendo online only titles, it's going to get really compelling and just even more than just playing games online, which is which is really fun. So I, I hope they continue to do it. Tetris 99. It was it was a really cool drop and it's a fun game and. It's it's perfect for the switch. Uh, Travis, the game that you were mentioning earlier, was that a astral chain? Yep, that's the one. There we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, that looks interesting. I, I like the aesthetics of it. And that kind of mm-hmm. like sci fi futuristic cop motif is uh, kind of cool. I might have to check that one out, too. Another huge bit of news was that Nintendo is going to launch Super Mario Maker 2, release date June 2019, which is really soon for a game like that. Um, My first question to y'all is, because I'm pretty sure we all wanted this to happen. In fact, Travis, wasn't this one of your predictions for this year? I can't remember if I predicted this or a remake or like a re-release of the first Mario Maker. It still counts if it's a remake. It, It still counts. Okay. (laughs) Then, yeah. <laughs> I, I would I would count it. <laughs> so, Travis, what do you want from Super Mario Maker 2? I don't know exactly because I haven't played the first one, but um, I don't know. What I want is a sandbox to make some crazy Mario levels and play the hell out of them. So I think I'm going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Tim, what do you want? Super Mario Maker 2. Um, I yeah, I, I didn't play the first one either. But I'm really excited about this new one because I I love my Switch and I'm constantly on the lookout for new cool stuff to add to it. And um, I would really like to try my hand at designing some Mario stages and uh, see what other people can come up with. This one, uh, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. 
So I just thought um, that I, I want the same thing from you. And that's what we're going to get making Mario stages. But if you're going to want to share those Mario stages with me, y'all going to have to get Nintendo online. <laughs> so I just realized that like Nintendo's going to sell a lot of those online subscriptions if you're going to want to download levels. Right. So I Probably, think. Probably. Yeah. Right. So that might sell a lot of those online subscriptions. Yep. Um, That'll sell me on it for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I think the one thing that I want is because I did play the original Super Mario Maker. I have it on Wii U and I have it on the 3DS. Played a little bit more on the 3DS, though. I want the ability to thread levels together into a level pack or collection. Right. So yes, you can imagine. That would be awesome. Right. So um, Super Mario Maker is has really blew up the whole Kaizo Mario scene, which is essentially just really hard Mario. At first, the Kaizo Mario scene was involved in ROM hacking for like Super Mario World, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario 3 and that kind of thing. And then Mario Maker allowed the Kaizo Mario speed running movement to just blow up and level makers and designers. And you can see that in, you know, games done quick. And so Super Mario Maker 2 is just going to blow that scene up even more, which is going to be great. You know, we're all going to be able to play the hardest Mario levels in the world and wonder how the heck people like Grand Pooh Bear do it. Um, so yeah, we I'm might really be able ex- to play them. I don't think we can guarantee we can ever finish them. Oh yeah. I've <laughs> yeah, tried. Uh, I tried some of the Kaizo levels on, uh, Mario maker on the Wii U. They, they kick my, they kick my ass for sure. Uh, I mean, I can get kind of a ways, but <laughs> it's like, okay, I could dedicate my life to this level. I, I don't think I will, but that's why the grand Pooh bear is, is an amazing Twitch streamer and I'm not. So I, I think collecting those levels it would be really great into a series, you know, um, so like, you, you know, I could release like three stages of, you know, cheerful ghost theme levels and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, when this game comes out, expect me to make a cheerful ghost theme level and then I'm going to write about it on the site and you'll be able to get the code and download it and that kind of thing. So should be really good. Now, my final question for y'all is uh, Super Mario Maker. Are you going to get it uh, firstly? And then secondly, is it a day one purchase? Travis, day one purchase Super Mario Maker 2 probably day one purchase yeah i'm really excited about that like i've been wanting to play it for play mario maker period for a long time but it kind of wasn't worth buying a console for so i hadn't played it yet and i'm I'm really excited for it tim well i typically don't buy a lot of stuff day one um i'll usually wait for it to like the price to have a price drop or something like that but if everybody else is going to be getting it day one I'm going to want to be able to like interact with people at the same time, see what they're designing and, you know, submit my own stuff. So I, I might jump in early on this one. And plus Nintendo barely ever drops price on their games. They stay up for a long time. So <laughs> that too. Yes, I absolutely will. And the reason why is because one of the most fun experiences I had on cheerful ghost was early on in the site when portal Two launched its in-game level creation tools And we were all swapping our levels with each other on Cheerful Ghost and playing them was so much fun. I I hope we do something similar here and, you know, that we're making levels and sharing them and just having a really great time. So, yeah, I'm going to do that because this is probably going to be I don't know if it's going to be bigger than Smash Brothers Brawl, like Super Smash, but it's going to be huge because not only is it going to be a really great Mario game, but a lot of people already have a switch, too, but it's going to incentivize people to share levels and you're going to be able to play other things by other people. And that just sounds eminently cool in, 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 the, in the world that we live in now. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to buy it day one and hopefully get to make a level and share it with all you fine folks who can play it. Finally, the last bit of news was meant for me. I I don't know how it couldn't be something that Nintendo was thinking. What are we going to do for John Dotson? (laughs) What do we have (laughs) in our release that's going to hit him? Or maybe just 38 year old dudes or something or people, not dudes, (laughs) but 30 or 8 year old people that loved this old Game Boy title because Nintendo is going to be re-releasing Link's Awakening, which is one of the most beloved uh, Zelda games around. So it's sometime in 2019. Uh, so far, it's just gameplay footage. My hunch is it's going to be after Super Mario Maker 2, just because they don't have a date on it yet. So we've seen the release trailer. 
Um, firstly, did we play the original Game Boy game? What did we think of it? Did you play the original? Did you play the Game Boy Color remake? What'd you think of that? How do you think the game holds up now? And finally, um, we'll talk. Yeah, so I'll just start with what we think about just our thoughts of the original. And I'll start with you, Tim. Link's Awakening. What do you think of that game? Yeah, so I played the OG one, the the original Game Boy. There was no color, you know, bonuses or anything like that. It was it was the original black and white or, well, I guess green and darker green uh, Game Boy <laughs> version. And I loved it. It was easily the best Game Boy game that I owned and possibly the best Game Boy game ever made. And I still love it to this day, and I am ridiculously excited for the remake. This one will probably be a day one purchase for me. Travis? Yeah, I only played the the Game Boy Color version of it. And it's It's a great version. It's a great version. It really is. And it's probably my favorite Zelda game, period, except for Breath of the Wild and definitely the best Game Boy game, and I am really looking forward to the remake. Same. It <sighs> When people ask me what my favorite video game of all time is, I say Link to the Past, and then I think about Link's Awakening, and it doesn't become clear to me if that's the right answer. I, I will go with this far to say that I think... The gameplay in Link to the Past is a little bit better, but the storyline in Link's Awakening, I think, is better. Agreed. I would agree with that, yes. Because the story in Link to the Past doesn't really exist. I don't think that's to the game's detriment, but it doesn't make the game as deep as Link's Awakening feels. So, one of the best... I think one of the reasons why Link's Awakening is one of the best Zelda games of all time is because of the limitations of the Game Boy itself. So when you're limited on hardware to make a game, you have to make it a very focused game. And Link's Awakening is a very focused game in that it's not very long. What, 15 hours or something? 20 hours, maybe? Some people are jokingly saying it's a five-hour game. I don't understand what game they played, but maybe speedrunning it or something. But Yeah, you might be able to speedrun it like that, but I always took much longer to uh, finish it. Yeah, and it's not... Uh, it doesn't take 80 years to play it. And and uh, getting Link to the Past, you know, wasn't maybe longer than that either, but it, Link's Awakening is definitely shorter than Link to the Past for sure. So I think that that limitation made for a very tight and a very focused experience and that's to the game's credit um i look at games like twilight princess and i see that it can go on for 80 hours and i don't think that's to the game's credit to me you know so i my my question and and i guess this will sort of kick off is my thoughts on the remake are that and you know, get into yours is I, I like the way that they're taking the, the art direction in that. But my, my thoughts really are on a questions about what the game's going to be. Is it going to be a remake of that 15 hour really short experience? Or are they going to expand on it? You know, are they going to keep that really tight experience? Are they going to and then and then the other question is, how are you going to how are you going to keep the somber nature and that sort of on we attitude of the original game? I think that part of the reason why that was so prevalent in the original is because of the game's sort of monotone music. Well, it's not monotone, but you know, the Game Boy sound and the Game Boy look. It's a bleak game because the Game Boy doesn't allow you to get a bright feel for it, unless you're talking the Game Boy Color, but even so, you're still limited by a color palette. This game is very bright, very vibrant. So my question, and it can be used, you know, whatever kind of voices you want in terms of music. So my question is, How's that going to translate? Not to say they couldn't do it, but I'm just really excited to see how they do that. Um, they got a high bar to clear for this one. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you, what do you think about the remake and sort of what we've seen so far? I am um, when it, when they first announced the the uh, the remake for just like a half second, I was I was thinking that they were going to show it in like the Breath of the Wild like art style. You know, so at first I was just like, oh, my gosh. And then it, they kind of show this new style. And I'll, I'll admit that I was a little disappointed at 
first. But the more I thought about it, it it still looks really good. And by doing it the way that they're doing it, they can basically make it fit like the same size that the Game Boy did, keep all the mechanics the same, you know, so I, I imagine they they had to kind of like tweak the art style a little bit so that they could have, you know, better graphics, but also keep the God, I'm not sure how to say this. Um, that sort of 2D gaming style from the Game Boy, you know, without having to blow it up into a, like a 3D environment necessarily. So it's yeah, I, I can kind of get where people are coming out with the criticisms of the art style. But I, I think it was kind of a necessity to sort of dumb it down a little bit and not have like a Breath of the Wild HD sort of look to it. Yeah, when I saw the the art style specifically, I can, it seems like it's kind of everything's kind of plastic looking like everything's made out of plastic. And I thought that was kind of a neat look. Um, I guess I can see why people didn't care for it as much, but I thought it was kind of neat. Um but yeah, I think what you said about whether they're going to keep that same tight, you know, 15-ish hours, I imagine what they'll do is add some things to it that you can do, but like I guess if you still wanted to get just the original feel for it, you could skip those things. I, I would imagine in, like, today everybody expects a Zelda game to be epically long, so they'll probably add some stuff for you if you want that, but hopefully it won't be required. Yeah, I'm sure they'll add a couple of extra stuff. I mean, they've done that with most of the other Zelda releases. Like when they released uh, Link to the Past for, let's see, what was it? I think it was the Game Boy um, 3DS. Game Boy Advance. Game Boy Advanced. They uh, they added like an extra dungeon at the end. It was optional and it was, you know, kind of tacked on at the end, but they did add some extra stuff. Yeah, I, I hope they add extra stuff too. There have been some questions, you know, in the, in the game community about you, you know, is this a $60 game if it's 50, 15 hours and that sort of thing? And I think I think Nintendo is going to do right by people. I don't I don't. The difference in me playing this game or not is not 30 versus 60. Frankly, that it's more time than the cost, you know, um, for me. So I think that if you're remaking a game and completely doing it from the ground up with new graphics, 60 bucks for 15 hours seems reasonable to me. So but I do think they're going to add, you know, more content to it. And I, I really look forward to playing it. And uh, if we're all going to get it, then we're going to be reviewing it on Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show, and thanks for listening. Go ahead. My name is Radio. Can you say, hi, my name is Finley. Hi, this is Finley. I'm Finley Radio. 